Hey guys, before the episode begins, just a quick update from us. We are both saddened to announce that Damien Enoch will no longer be hosting for us for Think Break's podcast. We wish him all the best for his musical ventures, and of course we shall be supporting all the way. Now, without further ado, we hope you enjoy this month's episode. This is Karen K2T. Yo, this is Toby Colossus. And you are listening to the Think Breaks podcast. Welcome back to season two, episode three. And for the first time in our history of Stink Breaks, we've actually got two guests. Isn't that right, Tobes? Boop, boop. We've got two people. Yeah, yeah. Say. <laughs> And you can actually hear them right now. So we'll talk about our first guest first. Um, we've got a vocalist who you might recognise from tunes such as Seeker by our very own Toby, actually. Indeed. Hey. <laughs> also got tunes from our previous guest, Tolomic, uh, Loar, I see as well. Quite a lot of talents. Nice. It is the one and only Flo Anastasia. Whoop! Uh, whoop! <laughs> Luckily, this isn't my singing voice. Mm. Good energy, good energy. <laughs> Thanks, that's a nice introduction. <laughs> the second guest is our producer, who is on Deviant Audio. He's had a few releases on Hospital, Flight Pattern, and it's actually Flo Anastasia's recording engineer as well. Yeah. I've been known to record a few things. <laughs> uh, by the time that this episode goes out live to the public, it will be one day since his debut album released as well. So oi, oi. please welcome Mr. Nice. Tia Coalt. Super cool. Oi, oi. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for that. Uh, yeah. And the, the amount of just like hype and uh, engagement for that kind of thing has been really great to see because that 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 album it, it took me a minute to to write that so uh yeah, yeah. the the people uh the, the people supporting and who will support like massive massive ups like every single person who like decided to reach out or just even leave a like or whatever it is thank you you know times a million because that stuff really goes a long way i think i think that's actually a great point to start because um last year both toby and i released our debut albums as well so um oh. I think we can quite relate to that whole process of album making. Yeah, and it's kind of terrifying letting it go, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, you've been working on it for, I don't know, a year, two years, three years, however long. But then there has to come that point where um, you think, okay, there's my album. It's done. Yes. Mm -hmm. How How long did that process take for you? Yeah, it's, 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 that's actually, um, advice i try to give other people wherever i can and follow it myself if possible too which is that uh like there there does come a, like a point where you're gonna have to tell yourself that a track is done uh you know it's it, if you just keep picking at it over and over again there is a very good possibility that you will actually make it worse at some, like past a certain mm-hmm. point um happens to me yeah. all the time right anyone who makes music or does stuff that's creative in general like be it painting or whatever it is um, you'll you'll know that if you pick at it too much, it actually kind of wrecks the whole concept because a lot of like music and creative stuff. Uh, and feel free to 
comment with your own experiences, but at least as far as I've had is been, you have kind of a spur of an idea and a lot of the rest of the writing process will just come down to essentially making that like a, a presentable idea. But you know, the first like major structure, like the bones of that idea, it usually only takes me like two hours to put down. Cause that's like kind of the concept. Mm. Uh, but the other yeah. like 70 or 80 hours that goes into it is just like, okay, well how do I get this to a point that actually is like someone would want to listen to and not just get, like skip. So, uh, but I'd be curious to know uh, how you guys kind of find yourselves writing and how, what that whole flow like, feels like. I mean, I'm pretty much exactly the same as you. I will, I will literally kind of get the kind of skeleton of the track, if you will, just blast it out very quickly and then, yeah, it's uh, many, many hours of like always like nitpicking at it and just, you know, trying to fine tune it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I fall into the trap of listening to something almost like too much, mm. if you get me, <laughs> to the point where I'll like fall out of love with it. <laughs> but mm. then if I put it down for like a month, for example, and then come back to it, I'll be like, oh, actually, you know, yes. <laughs> this is this is actually half decent. But yeah, I think it's imp- it's important to manage your time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm exactly the same as well. For me, it's um, I work in quite short bursts, so a couple of hours where I can. Uh, that way, I don't get bored of the tune because I'm listening to it in short bursts and not overdoing it by like mm. having a four-hour, five-hour session or whatever. I think right, yeah, of course. Yeah. Having a session that long can sometimes be detrimental because you end up trying to force ideas, which mm. end up just being counterintuitive. Oh um, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's something actually that uh, that tier really helped me with as well. And in, in terms of like vocal writing, where I'll sometimes have an idea in my head and then I'm literally finding myself like kind of forcing it in and it's not working. And I'm like banging my head against the wall, like trying to make it work and then have to come to terms with like, maybe this isn't meant to work. And then as soon yeah. as I let that idea go, yeah, and go with the flow, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then yeah. it'll <laughs> usually, usually something better will come, and I'll be like, oh, okay, thank goodness, I actually didn't keep trying to force that idea. So uh, it's yeah. it's interesting that that kind of comes across, uh, or, or rather, manifests in, in various kinds of artistic disciplines. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we really give ourselves a hard time as artists, don't we? Really. <laughs> um, because realistically, if something isn't working, it's not like, I don't know, it's not anyone's fault, really. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's not that it's bad. It's more that it just doesn't fit the um, the current vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that I find um, is something that like, it is hard to come to terms with until you've written music for a long time of like, you know, some, sometimes what you've written, first of all, just isn't a good idea. But like other times... Um, you have to be willing to part out what you've done and then put those in a folder somewhere and you're not going to be sure if those will ever even get used. But um, it's the sort of the best way to make sure that any creative output you've had, like, you know, you spent a ton of, ton of time on something. It's not f- like working, but if you hit solo, it is a good idea. It's like, okay, well, that's a pretty good indicator that that's got to go into your personal sample library and you got to find a way to like, part that out mm. and use it for something yeah. else and that's something i picked up from like a noisy tutorial tutorial in like 2015 or something like that and ever since i'm like you know what that's actually pretty sensible advice like it's it, you, you, there's there there are ways to make sure you 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 know minimize 
the lost time you can use it just maybe not right now and that that could be a helpful tool i think for for anybody thinking like man there's so many good individual ideas in here but the whole thing doesn't work that's your answer Mm. yes make make a sample pack for yourself (laughs) yeah exactly it doesn't have to be like a a massive basis of a track so for example it could be a tiny little bass stab that just doesn't make sense in track number one but you put it into track number two and that was the missing piece of track number two yeah precisely beautiful Um, the magic puzzle of life (laughs) exactly the magic dust um so i have to ask obviously so um so for you as well listening obviously now we're calling her flow anastasia but you might recognize her as anastasia as well um what prompted the name change because at the time of this recording this is a very recent occurrence yes yeah for sure that's a it's a great question it's something i've thought about for uh, quite a while, and I'd kind of kept going back and forth of like, ah, oh, should I change it? Should I not? And um, came quite close to changing it last year. Ended up doing like a a poll on online, and even just my audience at the time was like fifty fifty. Um, but more so recently, I was thinking like, well, I guess I guess maybe I'll, I'll backtrack for a bit. Um, the whole reason I had the the original name Anastasia to begin with, just the one word. Anastasia, it was very kind of a, a prideful thing. I think I was very stubborn and like, I'm going to do the Madonna thing and it's just going to be Anastasia and then <laughs> that's going to work and people are going to find me if I'm big enough. And, um, you know, I, so I'd, I'd been using that name for about 10 years or so uh, as my official artist name. Anastasia is my birth name. So I'd always kind of wanted to, I had this romantic idea of, of using that. Um, but even early on, like in my, in my early days of getting music online and, and creating like a SoundCloud account and in, in my social media, uh, I, I knew that, you know, at Anastasia would be taken, Anastasia music would be taken. There's hundreds of other Anastasias. So already early on, I was I when I was figuring out sort of my my handles online, um, I was trying to be creative in what I was coming up with. And Flo Anastasia came to me. Um, I think around those days, I was very early in my uh, learning to like what it learning what it even means to like create your own music. Um, I'd loved music all my life. I'd you know studied piano. I'd was sang in choirs. I studied other people's music, but only in those early years did I just start like learning what it means to improvise or to create your own music and, and started that whole journey. And so that and some other experiences were very much like helping me learn and discover the concept of flow. And so I thought like flow is a kind of a fun word that could replace like Anastasia music, but it's like, you know, flow Anastasia. And so it was always my handle online for, for almost 10 years now. And so when I was thinking about changing it such that, you know, people could find me better, um, because right now, if you Google Anastasia, like there's no way you're going to find me unless you type in maybe flow Anastasia or you type in a song of mine or you write like Anastasia drum and bass. Um, so that, that was one thing, like the searchability was a huge, huge reason. Um, even tagging me for, for someone to be able to tag me on Facebook or Instagram, you'd have to know that my handle is flow Anastasia. Cause if you write, you know, at Anastasia, it's not going to come up either. Um, uh, yeah. so yeah, so I was just sort of like, as I was thinking ahead and just getting kind of annoyed at like you know every week i'll get like a spotify message saying my music is scheduled for release and it's not me (laughs) oh yeah yeah. um 
you know, I kind of just, I thought, you know what, if I'm going to make the change, better make it now because a year, five years from now, like then it's going to be really quite late. Um, so I kind of knew it was a little bit of a messy process. So I've changed it to flow Anastasia officially. Uh, I've just had my first, uh, release with that name. I think by the time this comes out, I'll have had another one. And, um, yeah, I kind of thought it would be maybe more of a subtle change than actually completely changing it to something different. Um, you know, because my, because my social handles were already flow Anastasia website, email, all of that was already kind of, you know, even my logo had flow tiny, tiny little bit of flow in it. Cause I was always sort of part of my identity. So it just seemed like maybe more of a subtle change that would help make it not be such a drastic thing in the, in the mind of my, my listeners. So makes sense. Yeah. There's, um, I think that the, just the ability for people to find you is number one priority. Almost everything else yeah. comes second. Cause mm-hmm. like there's, uh, there, there's like a funny thing that can happen. I think is in like a, I guess a creative person of like, you can put an incredible amount of work into your craft, but the problem is like you have to, and we had a good discussion about this before, which is that it matters only up until the point where people can actually hear and enjoy like what you're doing. And uh, little, seemingly little things like that can actually scale out to be a really huge difference. And so now if people want to interact with your music, there is one agreed upon label for that and not like fumbling around to try to see, well, can I try to remember what song she's recently on? Because what if someone just discovered you? You're not going to know that, right? Because mm-hmm. they might hear you on like a Spotify, you know, like shuffle playlist or something. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, the, I, I think that was a very, very positive change for you to go over to Flow Anastasia. Thanks. It sounds better. Mm-hmm. Like it's just the whole, the whole thing is, yeah. Um, so, you know, a, a, like a change in your artist name, I can understand like the hesitancy mm-hmm. of like, uh, I'm not sure if I want to do that. I'm so like so used to this whole paradigm of doing the same thing for 10 years, mm-hmm. but sometimes you have to cut your losses and just be like, you know what? 10 mm-hmm. years is enough. Yeah. Uh, I got to now like really focus on, you know, really building forward. Thanks. I also just unrelated. I saw, um, I, I didn't realize there was like a live chat or something. Like I see, uh, some notifications for like chat questions and what have you, but, um, I, I don't know. It's, this is a new fangled thing. I don't really understand it, but anyway, someone had, uh, had asked the question of, uh, am I the same person on strangers youtube channel and uh yeah absolutely uh i have a few tutorials on uh, on alan slash uh, strangers channel i do like music tuts and that kind of thing wherever i can um but yeah that's that's been super fun but anyway is, this, I don't uh, want to is there is there a chat is this live oh okay just uh just just for the uh the listeners listening um so uh we record all of our shows on discord and just a few people saw tear come into the server and just happened oh, to ask if nice. uh, it's the same person who's released on strangers uh youtube channel and label which yes. is actually a good good um i forgot the segway. word you know the segway. word segue thank you nice. thank you a good segue how <laughs> just thinking what was that word so obviously tear your album is on deviant audio strangers label how did the um the connection come about or both of you actually because you both work with the label yeah yeah so like basically i i will give uh alan and anastasia like 92 percent of the credit for doing all the hard work on there i just like kind of throw them a couple of little dog treats here and there of uh of ideas and it's like here i don't know this might work try this uh and then but they have to do all the hard work so really it's them doing everything but uh it's essentially like the the connection actually like between alan and i um is like come to think of it like a fairly old one now um it was basically 
I want to say uh, New Year's of like New Year's going into 2016. So like basically Jan one 2016. Um, I I just heard about a show that was happening in in Toronto. Uh, I, it was it, there's like so many different raids happening in Toronto, but it, it just happened to be that someone talked me into like seeing Stranger for the first time on New Year's. I'm like, yeah, that sounds pretty cool because uh, I'd heard his name kind of floating around the scene, and I heard he's super good at what he does, and I've heard him come up on like my song rotations or whatever. And so I thought, okay, yeah, yeah for sure, like this guy sounds pretty legit, and I like his music. So um, yeah, uh, so I got there, uh, and it turns out I'd missed his set. So kind of a bummer there because uh, that's kind of why i spent the past 90 minutes on the streetcar like coming all the way from out where i lived at the time so that was kind of uh, a drag but hey you know whatever it is what it is and i just so happened to actually i just i just about recognized him standing outside he was like talking to some people and i did the usual awkward like um are you stranger uh yikes yeah looking back on that one uh i could see how we would have not become friends past that point so fair fair play to alan uh for for being such a, a gentleman and actually this weird kid who had never met before actually acknowledging my existence so um yeah and uh because i had actually oh because at the um I guess backtrack. I didn't realize when I got there I had missed his set. So here's the extra detail of it. Uh, I, my my first question to him was, "Hey, when are you playing?" Oh, oh no, no. <laughs> right? Like an like, calm the fuck on, really. Um, but uh, yeah, and so he again in his usual very kind of like professional tone he's like oh yeah i was actually on about like uh, about two hours ago but there's a, like there's, there's a really good party still happening inside you should join like you, you know what i mean it's just kind of mm. like no problem you know what i mean like uh, just because i think he's just trying to support the show which is totally mm. fair right because it's not like he's the only dj there's like lush and a bunch of other people mm. playing at the time so um and then to make matters matters more complicated <laughs> i didn't have my wallet on me at that time i only just realized that i only had my phone on me i'm like uh well damn i guess i couldn't even if i had gotten here on time there is no way i would have been able to even enjoy the show so um and so anyway i just kind of like kept talking to him and uh yeah he basically just offered me like his wristband because he had to get going and so it was basically like yeah you can just use this they'll let you in oh wow Uh, and so yeah he uh (laughs) he just tossed me his like performer wristband as though i'm a performer but i guess they they didn't care they looked at it it it's like oh yeah go on and then i just enjoyed the show for like three hours after that and then went home i'm like that's a solid dude you know what i mean like beyond solid and way beyond courteous like beyond reasonable amounts of courteous so um yeah basically uh just throw at us like chatting outside i managed to just like get his contact info for later on because i just mentioned of like you know i'm very much in upcoming nobody producer and for some reason he actually cared so um uh, yeah we we basically kind of kept loosely in touch uh after that point i'd sent him a few demos and yeah we just sort of like throughout the months and years kind of became closer and closer through email and stuff um didn't see him in person a whole lot at first because like he is a very busy guy so it's like you know what i mean and, and i'm a new entity in his life but yeah it's like throughout the demos i had sent him uh he, i think he must have heard something because like he would he would all, pretty much always respond like every time i would send him something and be like yeah you know this is good i would change this try to like work on this vibe and stuff and um yeah it it, through i guess enough of that kind of like him chipping away at all those sort of like 
cheesy tropes that I kept using in my music and too many vengeance sample pack sounds and whatever. Um, I had, um, I, I guess I, I had been, I got to a point where I developed this, like a sound suitable enough for his label. And so the first EP called the uh, Onyx EP, uh, was released a couple of years ago. Um, and uh past that like once we were at that point where onyx came out we were like i would say good buds and so from that point it's it, like i immediately just went on the train of like okay well i have some concept of how to like now write music and how am i gonna really sort of take this to like the most super advanced level that i know how and then that's where basically accelerate ep came out of was like right after like onyx ep is just like i gotta see if i can drill down and like make the sickest album that i can and that's not me saying it's a sick album by the way (laughs) that's up to you to decide but um what i can tell you is that that's the hardest i've ever worked on a piece of music but um I guess we'll see. It'll be up to the masses because it's not really my music anymore. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. out in the world. Um, but yeah, that's that, that's probably the quickest synopsis I can give, which is to say, uh, like, shout outs to Alan for being like probably the cool, like top five coolest people on earth. Um, and uh, yeah, D- Deviant Audio in general as a label is like very, very well maintained by this lovely lady and by him um the catalog is great and the fact that i could you be on there and have so much of their support and like backing on it is is really crazy and super cool so yeah uh good 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 question i hadn't really neatly summed that up uh, before up until now so yes. really shows what kind of guy stranger so is as well. basically yeah totally you made a fool out of yourself and then became the best of friends <laughs> and, con- and continue to that that trend hasn't stopped by like every friendship uh, yes yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's it, it amazing amazing dude i'm super i would say I, I i it's really my privilege to know him you know what i mean and, and uh i always do what i can to like do the right thing for him and for the people that he knows because he's just such a solid guy yeah i feel i feel the same way it's still very surreal for me to be able to call him a friend nowadays he's one of those names that uh i'd heard when i'd first first discovered and fell in love with drum and bass like a decade ago he was one of the first like canadian names i remember seeing come up in like yeah. track lists or like online because um, he'd been he'd been making music for such a long time and was able to gain you know some international stature and um so i'd always kind of been like a fangirl and then would see him like you know play at shows here and there but yeah, I didn't end up meeting him in person until uh, it was through you. Um, so Tyr and Alan work on a lot of like creative projects together as well across like video, photography and that sort of thing. And um, I was trying to get some press photos taken and Tyr had suggested that um, Tyr and Alan would work on it together. And so my, my very first time meeting him was like having him like take press photos of me, which was like extra surreal because I was oh, like... Yeah, I'm a fangirl and I'm like nervous and red and like, <laughs> like, oh, yes, take my photo. Like, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we, we collaborated on some music together. And um, in terms of just getting involved with the label, like it's something we're just kind of, you know, helping out with in the in the background. As you guys know, like, you know, drum and bass labels, it's more more of a passion of love. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> and uh you know, I'd uh, sort of I'd, I'd gone to business school, so I'm and I still have you know a full time kind of corporate day job. So for me to be able to help him in sort of the the running of the label is kind of a fun, a more fun way to use my business skills, I guess. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> no, that makes sense. 
Um, you guys bring in co- collaborations is actually a fair point right now because um, a lot of our listeners of the podcast are um, producers and quite a lot of them like making liquid music or even even different types of music. And um, sometimes I often see that vocal processing is something that they're not sure on or w- would like to know more about. So because we've obviously got you, mm. Anna, as a singer, and we've got you, Tia, as her recording engineer, I feel like both of you would give a very different answer to this. Mm. What makes a good vocal recording? <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say you, you can start with that Ooh. since it's <laughs> most, most directly up your alley, and I can kind of extend, Yeah, maybe. I mean, uh, I, I guess we'll start off with then what, what doesn't make a good recording. <laughs> um, mm. Because before... That's a bad point, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, before I met Tyr, I had, uh, I'd always just been recording myself in my bedroom. Um, it was years and years of that really didn't know what I was doing. Um, you know, me buying my first condenser mic, I thought was like the thing I was like, now Dude, I, I just have thought, I just spent a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's it. I'm like, this is my next level. And, and at that time it was, it was like, you know, t- taking a, a, a further step, um, but yeah, I, I really didn't know what I was doing. I'd like smack a compressor on and didn't even like change anything. I was just like, oh, it has a compressor on it now. Send like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, things, things didn't sound great, but, uh, I, like I didn't even have like soundproofing or anything like that in my room. Like it was, it was really, really bad. I remember actually, uh, Toby, the track that we'd done for the, the into the blue, um, yeah because that one was sort of you know the the label had asked for it and i was like okay i want to i want to make sure i do like a decent job with this i had uh rented a room at my buddy's studio place he has like this little closet with like some soundproofing so i brought my like gear my gear there and like uh so i I recorded that one at least in like a soundproof room but even even that i was when i sort of listened back i was like oh man i'm kind of i am glad i i met tear and that our later recordings were were a little bit better (laughs) um but uh but yeah i sort of and and here's here's the thing like i feel very grateful that i've that i met tear and i can work with uh someone who is you know a recording engineer who knows a lot has access to really great gear. I recorded his studio. Um, he not only records me and kind of encourages me and guides me like as I'm recording, but he will also do, you know, the vocal processing and he'll, he'll edit things and will also kind of usually go an extra step and also provide, you know, some cool effects or, or some ideas and, and that sort of thing. He also helps me write harmonies. There's there's a lot of extra stuff that Tier sort of brings to the table for me. Um, but nowadays, I also see a lot of content where vocalists um, are helping each other, like, learn how to do their own vocal production. And, you know, I think nowadays as well, with the amount of free tutorials online and that sort of thing, like, you you can you can do it yourself so it's not like as a vocalist you absolutely need to work with a vocal engineer um i've just you know for for, for me personally starting to work with tier was a, was a huge game changer and and i'm lucky for that but i but i also recognize that not everybody's gonna like know somebody like that um me yeah. and tier live in in the same city and even that we hadn't met in person we ended up meeting on soundcloud and we're like oh we're in the same city like <laughs> you know we'd actually um 
I didn't even approach you as a, as a vocal engineer. We, uh, it was one of those classic wanna collab bro situations. Like in, uh, it yeah, sounds yeah. like she's making a joke out of it, but like that is pretty much bang on. Yeah. So, so it's yeah. wanna collab. And, uh, yeah. it was actually the, the first, the very first collab that I did with someone like in, in person up until that point, all of my collabs were like through SoundCloud, online, you know, international, the, uh, you know, the drum and bass scene in Canada isn't as huge as it is in, in other places of the world. So um, it was the first time recording or collaborating on a piece of music with somebody else. And so I'd come to his, his studio. And even that for me was like a big kind of experience because I get very nervous singing in front of people. And so already having to like record like sing in front of him at my most vulnerable like that was a whole couple years of like learning and development or whatever um but yeah I'm just uh I'm just very grateful and uh since then like it it just because it went so well I was like hey can I like can I pay you to like just record all my songs from now on because this is much better for me (laughs) um so that was the sort of the start of that beautiful friendship so yeah and um yeah i guess the the other side of that like um yeah it to i i I would probably take the same approach of of what anna was setting out to do of like what what doesn't make a vocal recording good because i can't tell you what makes a good vocal recording because i don't think i know that um what uh well i can explain like um there's a lot of different ways you can do that and people have gotten amazing results out of gear and setups that really didn't deserve those good results so that's what i mean to say like you know people have managed to get that super nice sound out of like a a u87 in a completely untreated room like that shouldn't be possible but they did it um so what, what i would tell you is this i think um there there is like some value and nice equipment and nice spaces and you know using the best stuff and like just the right you know configure whatever like it yes there's value in that right and and you know that that is my day job is to help people like buy recording gear so it's not you know like i've been doing that for like four and a half years of like oh i want to record what kind of stuff do i need well um tier works in uh in one of the the big retailers in canada that sells like music gear uh, okay and, uh oh, sick yeah so this i feel like i am in like a unique position to sort of i guess set the record straight for people that are you know struggling to get the quality that they're looking for and are not sure like what they need to change um i would say it kind of comes down to a few key points number one and this will always be number one write good songs that's how you get good recordings is writing good songs mm-hmm. and it's so simple like as a piece of advice was well, like well duh well it's like well no not duh. like it a lot of what makes you sound good is how you actually deliver the performance and how you selected the takes mm-hmm. to give to the producer um don't ever underestimate how important it is to be a good artist please <laughs> um uh, but secondarily uh what makes for a good vocal recording is is really trying to cut down the amount of splashiness in your room like if it's quite 
echoey and reverberant in there. Like, I don't care how bad or good your microphone is. Mm. Any microphone from all spectrums of quality will sound better in a better room. Mm. It's just mm. the way that it is. Yeah. Uh, so if you can get yourself some sort of sort of like microphone reflection shield that will go behind the mic to soak up some of that stuff, uh, that will help you immensely. Uh, because it's not possible to necessarily put stuff all over your walls, right? Like, it's a rental, of course. You can't do that. So the, the next best thing is to install something on your mic stand that your microphone can sit inside of. And get a quality one. I'm not going to give any plugs for any specific brands because that's a bit of a conflict of interest at that point. But um, I, I will say that there are really compelling options for reflection shields for microphones, and it doesn't take a lot of research mm. to find that out. Um, get something good, not just the cheapest thing on Amazon. Um, that will go a huge distance, even if it's not the greatest mic and not the greatest audio interface. Like, it's fine. Take care of acoustic problems acoustically. Don't use isotope to try to like take noise and other super, like extraneous things into your recording digitally. Like get it out in the analog domain and then work with that high quality recording after you've got it. Uh, anything past that gets, I think, probably too into the weeds of like gear and stuff like that because they're sure i could throw on all its opinions of well this microphone this preamp this interface this that and whatever but like just just know that if you have decent enough mics that aren't really hissy you're like literally broken um just get yourself something that's like two three hundred bucks maybe four if you can stretch it for your mic like just a good condenser it doesn't have to be anything crazy make sure you got a pot filter right these are important like a mic stand that isn't wibbly wobbly and that shakes every time you move and things like that right and like a good interface that's like dependable um doesn't matter what software you use right you guys i'm sure can attest to that like no one uses the same software most of the time right like just make good recordings and and if you're going to send vocals to someone and you do your own processing, do them a favor and disable it um, when you send it, because there's a very strong likelihood that someone who makes music probably has a better understanding of how to deal with like vocal processing than you do. Um, it, it is only the case that you'd want to bake it in if you've done it at like a high end studio or with like an actual recording engineer who's like compressors and EQs and gear you wouldn't want disabled because the flavor of those sounds are really exquisite and like hard to replicate in in software yeah, right, like it, yeah. it can be done but you don't want to because it takes forever so um that's really the only exception there as far as baking processing it but otherwise don't bake auto-tune don't bake compressors or reverb especially reverb don't do that um just just what i was doing in my bedroom because i thought it sounded cool (laughs) yeah like no no time-based effects at all just send them the raw stuff like no high pass filters i don't care if it's clipping or like whatever problem it has just send it to them flat uh and i guess finally speaking of clipping don't clip right like don't record too low or too high um if you've met what i would say are pretty reasonable requirements that i just set out right there for not a ton of money you'll you'll sound good and it, once you put the vocal in the mix i don't know man like it's gonna be pretty hard to tell if it's a u87 or just kind of like a road nt1a you know and i mean like yeah, yeah you can tell i guess but like you know a good recording is a good recording so um i'd say don't try not to stress about it too much you know like there 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 is a time and a place to be worried about it and if you are at a level where you know, you are finding like your three, four hundred dollar microphone isn't even cutting it for you anymore. Then you don't need any of the advice I've just given. Like you, you're already probably got a pretty good sense of how that stuff works. But uh, for for anyone getting into like some vocal production, you're working with some people, but they're kind of having to you know clean up your audio a lot, or you're just finding that the quality's not sort of coming through 
that sort of checklist should get you probably 80% there. And then the rest of it would just be kind of up to your personal taste at that point. What about if, so you're a music producer and I'm guessing a lot of your listeners are are probably producers that are maybe being sent vocals. Like, let's say Mm. a vocalist sent you like raw vocals. Do you have any tips for what you would then do with it? Because this is beyond the point of like, you don't know what room they used or what mic and like that sort of thing. Well, just want to extend that as well to vocal samples as well. Mm. Yeah. So I guess, um, like if I've sent, if I've been sent something, yeah, it really just depends. Um, cause sometimes I don't even necessarily keep the arrangement that's there either, which has happened to you before. Now, if you are going to change the arrangement, by the way, I think it's a terrific idea to send the vocalist you're working with an email and ask them if they care about you changing the narrative of their Mm -hmm. vocals a lot because they'll probably be okay with it if you actually ask them about it first and see what they're willing to and not willing to change um you know and give them some sort of reasonable rational explanation as to why you're doing it like oh well you know this this part just in this order really works super good and you know it just vibed really well but don't like then swap the instrumental on them or something like that uh or you know because they weren't expecting that and they weren't didn't write it for a different instrumental but like anyway like as far as what i would do with it um honestly i would just drop it in place and do whatever processing i thought was appropriate um something that i've recently gotten into uh and this will be a little more nerdy here i'll try to make it somewhat you know not greek for anyone who doesn't care about this stuff but basically um i've gotten really into uh using dynamic eq on vocals for the past couple of recordings anyway i've done that quite extensively and i did really it 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 slaps and uh the the concept of that is basically you know i think most people have even opened a daw understand what an eq does but maybe not um a dynamic EQ, that's a little different because I think people are used to thinking about processing in two categories of like there's tonality and there's dynamics. But those two things don't usually seem to have like any connection to them other than like what order they come in. And it's like, okay, well, why not just do it all in the same step? And uh, that's kind of the habit I've gotten into. And the reason for it is people are dynamic things, right? Like it's not like a guitar amp that's just going to sit there and behave nicely and not move. And the microphone's on a stand. That's not going to move. Like people bounce and they move and they have a different whatever. Their chin might be up or down or whatever it's going to be. That's a really great way to think about it, yeah. Yeah. And the, the thing is, is like, to get to like a perfectly lasered in a hundred percent tone accurate performance every single take forget about it you're you're crazy if you think that's going to happen like it, it's going to be a little bit different every time so i think the best way to do that is well what if we can just rein in the frequencies of the parts of the sound that are going changing right just listen for it carefully and then see where the the fluctuations are and if you're finding that like proximity affects a huge one right and everyone knows that on most microphones if you come closer there's more prox and then if you're further away there's less um so if you're really close on the mic it's gonna be a ton of bass and so what you can do is just set up your dynamic eq to take bass out only when it reaches past a certain point um so mm-hmm. in instead mm-hmm. of like oh, well, at some points in the recording, there's too much bass, so I'm just going to, like, full stop, mm-hmm. you know, EQ all the bass out. Well, what happens if they're further away from the mic? Now it's too thin. Uh, so you'd have to and then have, like, a separate, like, subgroup for just takes that were further away. Like, no, 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 no. Just, just have it automated and 
have it rain the parts of the performance in depending on where the artist was at and where their face was off to and then you'll find you're going to get a lot further as far as consistency and like the texture of it staying the same uh like all the way throughout the recording and you can you can deal with a lot of other problems that way too but um that's kind of a bit of a uh i don't know like a recent breakthrough i've had after recording so much stuff is just like yeah you can usually amalgamate like the the uh eq and dynamics step at least to some degree in a dynamic eq and then that past that point your job of like compressing stuff and arranging stuff and like doing reverb and delay sends and whatever is made a lot easier because you're working with the same kind of sound the, mm-hmm. the whole time so i figured i'd share that because that's um yeah that's helped me uh, a lot actually that's probably because i'm bobbing all around the I'm vibing and like yeah. then my face is changing and I'm like It's such a great tune. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Um But no, I think I think our listeners will really appreciate that as well because um yeah, that might be a tip that some people have not actually considered. Can um, I just say or... think think breaks? Such an excellent name. Did you guys have like oh, you, you must have had such an aha when you came up with that? I would have been like, oh, it was perfect. It was the biggest light bulb moment. It was the most awesome. beautiful light bulb moment that happened. Uh, beautiful. It's just like all the puns. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It does. It does work pretty damn well, though, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good name, and I, and I'll also give you guys a shout out too for writing like sensible, reasonable questions as well. So, uh, it, it it makes a difference um, when the people hosting the show care about the show that they're hosting. So, uh, yeah, big up, big up you guys oh. for doing good. Uh, Cheers, man. Yeah, yeah good Appreciate prep. That. I've Appreciate I've that. been on much different shows. I put it that way. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's uh, ni- nicely done, guys. For putting together like a nice thing that people can like easily listen to and that you keep your guests talking and about like interesting things. So right on, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I really appreciate that. And, um, that's what it's all about in the end of the day, sort of, um, people learning about the people behind some of their favorite tunes, mm. some of their favorite albums maybe, and so on, which brings us quite nicely yeah. into asking or both. So, when it comes to me, for example, I'm quite inspired a lot by old school hip hop, jazz, and that sort of stuff when making music nice. myself. Toby is quite inspired by movies, for example. Oh, so, yeah. Anna as a singer and Tyr as a producer, what are your different inspirations for, let's say, your general sound? In quotation marks. Nice. That's a that's a good one. Um... Yeah, I gotta. Uh, I'm with you, Karen. I'm. I'm definitely. I, I grew up listening to a lot of jazz. Um, I was really. Um, my my voice itself, as you can tell on my recordings, is not the the strongest of the voices out there in drum and bass. I'm definitely more on the soft softer end of things. Um, so I think when I when I grew up listening to jazz, like I think a lot of uh, a lot of what I resonated with was stuff that was, um, well, and of course I, I still absolutely admired like Ella Fitzgerald and that sort of thing, but I really loved Billie Holiday because I just kind of liked the, mm. you know, slightly playing outside of the, the rules or, or sort of pushing, pushing boundaries in, in a way, um, and being like off timing and that sort of thing. So I thought that was, a, that was a really big inspiration for me. 
Um, I definitely listen to a lot of, uh, you know, like bass music and, and dubstep and that sort of thing before I got into drum and bass, um, a lot of like trip hop and like ambient atmospheric stuff. And I think I liked that as oh, well yeah. from, from a vocal perspective. I really liked how I could hear voices that were a little bit more chill or more minimal. Um, and I really saw myself a lot in that. So, uh, when I, when I discovered drum and bass and I heard, you know, some re- really pretty liquid tunes, I was like, Oh, like that that I feel like my voice sounds a little bit more like that than like a super like as much as I'd love to be like a Whitney Houston voice um (laughs) I definitely you know that'll that'll take a lot more uh vocal vocal lessons and and practice and that sort of thing so I'm definitely inspired by that but yeah my, my kind of music influences themselves are definitely all over the place I also um a big part of my music evolution was listening to Tool for many years and like prog rock kind of stuff and so uh really like sort of just like different kinds of like rhythms and like polyrhythms and and drum patterns and that sort of thing and I think when I when I discovered drum and bass I was like wow this seems to have all the different things that I love about different kinds of music kind of in one or in in the different kinds of subgenres or that sort of thing so it just really blew me away and sort of felt like a like a portal opened and I never never went back <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah, nice, uh, nice synopsis. Yeah, um, man. Like I, I tend to think that I, I don't know. Pretty much everything you do is going to influence your music in some sure. minimal way. Um, yeah. And you, you never know kind of where uh, you might like find yourself on the receiving idea of a good or receiving end of a good idea, rather. Um, I'd say as far as what I would I could tell people that were like really prominent influences, that does depend when I was asked because uh, those influences, mm-hmm. like anyone else, has, has changed a lot. But um, very early on, when I was getting into making music, um, a lot of my like library repertoire consisted of kind of like prog house like uh, like shingo nakamura and like you know blood groove and kiki's like anyone who's like gotten into like you know uh yeah anyway like anyone who's gotten into like progressive house and understands you know there's there's a lot there to pick from a lot of really really great stuff and then on and juna beats and all those other really good labels um so you could hear that a lot in my early sort of compositions where it's like very chord based very pad based and things kind of have like a lot of atmosphere and would breathe a lot more and i was trying to i guess like subconsciously bring that into my own music i wasn't trying to but it just did uh because that's what you're exposed to um i think as i kind of got later and further on to getting into more like into pro audio let's say and like into um like recording techniques and stuff i tend to find that you start to come to appreciate like the weirdest things possible mm. <laughs> uh, like even above mm. musicality sometimes like it kind of like the first and number one thing is that it's innovative um and that's where i started getting into like artists like scope and copycat um and like vorso and like people that did really twisted weird stuff like of course everyone's heard of ivy lab right but it's, it's like yeah. um stuff that's like very uh I don't know, like cerebral in the way that it's composed. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And I don't, I honestly, I know nothing about cerebral music. So I'm sitting here like ruminating on this whole thing. Till, I could tell you like five <laughs> people that write really good music like that. But, um, 
I I will always listen to stuff that incorporates strange or unusual techniques. Um, if a whole band managed to record in some guy's house and used his hallway as a reverb, I'm in. Mm. Like I, I want to hear what that sounds like in the process. Um, Dave Truck's band is a perfect example of that. Like their albums were done on like a Sony tape machine. This is like 2008. It's not like that's the only way you can record stuff on tape. So um, they. It's people who push the boundaries all the time are usually the ones that people end up like wanting to become. And then by the time you do become that, that person is now three years ahead of you again. Um, so there, you know, we all are aware of like the major neurofunk producers out there that are like pushing the boundaries to the nth degree. And I think we're all probably a little bit guilty of like wanting to chase the coolest sound possible. Um, but I would say, um, it, and actually, uh, shout out to, uh, like the doom eternal soundtrack is incredible for anyone who hasn't dabbled in that at all. Um, the, the sound design and the soundtrack in general for the modern doom games is unbelievable. Actually, the, the, and it's not often that you'll have like really fleshed out sound design like that in AAA titles for some reason, like it, it in racing games is kind of the only other genre I found like the sound design can be really on point. Um, but mm. I don't know. I, I think it's just stuff that sounds cool and interesting is really my influence. It'd be very difficult for me to like put it down to anything more specific than that. Just cause I, I just appreciate stuff that's, you know what I mean? Like out there and forward thinking, um, I know it sounds like a very pre- pretentious, well, like, <laughs> already answer like, well, I, I appreciate high art. Like, it's, um, I, I don't know. Like it, if it's innovative, I'm in, you know what I mean? Like that's, yeah, that's, that's right. So like, basically music where you don't know where it's going. So you're always kept on your toes wondering what's happening next in the track, essentially. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff that that has enough stuff in there, like you're familiar with it. Maybe it's in four, four meter or whatever, but that's kind of all you got. You know, like it, it's yeah. it's going to take you on some sort of crazy trip. And I, and I love people that um, make like bases that are really out of control and like stuff within reason. Right. But like stuff that you wouldn't expect that sound to even come out of serum. It's just like, oh, OK, you know, uh, or, or yeah, you know, break, break things for a reason. You know, like once you've got a concept of how something is supposed to work, you then have a reason and a way to destroy its like intended working environment and which is distinctly different than experimenting with it, not knowing what it does. You know, like you might understand that, like, for example, Mr. Bill uh, had a really good piece of advice in one of his uh, YouTube videos, which is that like anything that's time based, that's digital, like reverb and delay and things that have a decay, they do have to fall off at some point. They can't just go infinitely (laughs) long or uh, you would run out of CPU headroom if you had more than a couple of plugins because they would always be generating and processing audio. So what you can do is put i think he put around like nine or ten limiters on uh ableton's reverb and put them all up to 36 db and so it's just pushing 36 36 36, like all the way up until you've reached the very pit of Mm. the reverb tail where it's like you've got maybe three bits of resolution left um and then you get these really odd like growling screeching decays like and then oh, it was yeah, kind of yeah. like cut Ooh, okay. off instantaneously because you you're now at like negative 130 
decibels. So that that sound is going to not even resemble what it did when it started. Um, but that's all I mean to say of like you probably wouldn't have even known to look for that had you not like first mm-hmm. understood how time based effects even operate in a digital world. Um, it's very different to analog reverb and how that's like based on resonances and stuff and like how the like material properties uh this is a little different um so yeah i'm always trying to find like the next weird way to mangle sound and like do something with it that can still be used in modern music and i would encourage anyone who's got like i don't know some sort of curiosity about how stuff sounds under unusual circumstances Mm -hmm. just just go for it man like get like a used portable recorder and just go around recording stuff and you know make Mm. clangs and bangs and whatever else because you know those types of sounds very hard to come by in sample packs for good reason because no one's gonna give that away right like i don't care if it's paid for or not like there there are some sounds that are just going to be unique to you uh that only you can discover and you can pioneer you know like i I just like people who think forward and want to like you know be experimental i guess Mm. yeah yeah, it's yeah. never a bad thing pushing those boundaries. <laughs> the yeah. only way the uh, you can really grow as an artist, essentially. Mm-hmm. Toby, I'm curious your 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 m- m- movie influence type of oh, thing. Yeah. Well, I uh, so yeah, I get kind of from movies, I suppose. Like I've got various various influences and stuff, but uh, I do quite a lot of. Um, well, I say quite a lot. I've started to do. Uh, media composing for kind of shorts. I'm actually doing like a feature awesome. film uh, coming up in the next year. Fantastic. Um, Ooh, yeah. So yeah, I've kind of learned <laughs> a lot of cool techniques, I, I suppose that kind of translate over from that. Um, but yeah, my, my influences usually stem from anything between ambient metal. <laughs> like, like, yeah. I think it's important to listen as often as you can outside of the genre that you work in. Oh, it's, absolutely. Uh, That's it. Yeah. I pretty, I pretty much don't listen to drum and bass. Like Same. I, I, yeah. I, I do listen to it. So I know what people are up to. Of course, I'm not yeah, that guy yeah. who like put, puts the change in the thing and then never looks like it. Of course, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm participating like in, in yeah. the art, but, um, I'm not like, casually just going about my day doing that absolutely yeah. not like just just in the car we were listening to jazz interpretations of pokemon uh osts <laughs> oh, and yeah, like yeah. Wh- nice. whatever like weird stuff you can run into uh, yeah. and actually yeah um shout out to consoles by the way c-o-n-s-o-u-l-s oh, yes. i'm not i'm not getting I don't know. i'm not getting paid to plug them but like i just kind of came across their music the other day and like damn dude these guys are genuinely good kids like they got great chops for music and i like that they're taking in almost an unreasonable amount of music and then turning it into jazz like they've got i think four videos a month like i don't even understand how it's possible like that you can have a whole band come up with an arrangement for something in a week and record and edit it and put it up that doesn't seem like that's crazy to me so um mega shout outs to people that are doing that kind of like interpretive art that requires like a very detailed understanding of the craft um but yeah man um i don't know like the what what i'm listening to is whatever is just going to come on my radar sometimes you know, and things like yeah. that. I, I, I've gotten less averse to clicking on my recommended videos and like coming up next on Spotify just because like, 
you have to get over the thing of like you don't know who that is. You don't know who anyone is, man. Like yeah, it's, yeah, there, yeah. there, there was a point at which I didn't know anyone who D- in D and B was. So it's like, why am I going to then be so like try to be elitist about like what I listen to outside of that? Like the point yeah, of uh, like t- of the whole musical exercise is to try to sort of understand as many influences as you can. And like, it's not good enough to just know about the Beatles and Michael Jackson and stuff. Like you have to dig deep and really come to know what the world at large is doing with music as an art form um and interpretive art forms like that where like you know people are doing covers on like blown glass bottles and mm. like <laughs> making their own like like little like metal marimbas and stuff like that that are electrified and all that type of thing it's just like that's super cool man yeah you know like uh or, or making musical notes with like fire by setting the like uh, pressurizing gas in there and then like when you set it oh, wow. it'll make a note when it comes out the other yeah. end of the bottle it's oh, just like cool. damn yeah. man that's innovative <laughs> yeah i used to work for a for a magazine called music works in canada and it was a really small uh like non-profit magazine but it's been around since the 70s and the whole the whole idea was that it was dedicated towards experimental music in any sense of the word and not experimental music but also like sound art and that was like my first introduction oh, yeah. to like oh what is sound art right because i'm so <laughs> yes what is art <laughs> um but yeah what, what you're talking about is sort is sort of a, a lot of the basis of of that magazine which i was always really fascinated by and mm. i remember sometimes i'd like walk to work and i'd hear like like heavy construction happening but then yeah. like the base the base frequencies and i'd find myself I'm like oh what is that that, that could slap like <laughs> yeah, yeah there's actually a genre of music called electroacoustic that uh, yes. is essentially yeah. that where you yes. literally just take all of your surrounding sounds and make a composition out of it essentially yeah um but yeah delving into that stuff super interesting to be honest uh yeah hmm. that's like the basis of wood kid basically uh, like w- Woodkid, it's it's there are obviously a lot of electronic elements in there, but for anyone who hasn't listened to Woodkid, that's actually shout out to Mephius who put me on to Woodkid. I'd asked him, I was like, Hey, what's like, what do you listen to outside of DB? And he was basically mm. like, That was his number one recommendation, was Woodkid. Mm. And I'm super glad I decided to listen to that because, yeah, that's pretty much example number one of that like found sound production yeah then being melded into some electronic elements and he sings all of his own vocals and stuff which is crazy because he's a super good singer too uh so yeah absolutely i I vibe with that like especially the whole like taking what's around you and then Mm. composing it into this musical thing because you could sort of argue that anything is music if you want to get that like deconstructionist Mm. about it yeah um so i (laughs) think it's it's kind of then just interpreting what your you know what like what your fan are on is sort of piecing together as being that music you know what i mean then you can show people what your sort of brain sounds like for a brief little sliver of time so i definitely mm. vibe with that that'd be that that would be a fun that would be a fun video idea for me to do like what my brain sounds like in a day um tear tear unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> spends a lot of time with me and can hear that um unlike my more refined drum and bass vocals normally i'm just like just being really kooky and we were as we were setting up for this podcast we were just improvising a song about the sushi place downstairs just random like mm-hmm. <laughs> silly like, wrong with a sushi song yeah <laughs> spitting spit hot fire about exactly. the sushi place downstairs yeah exactly so <laughs> that's what my brain sounds like all day <laughs> oh wow yeah it, it's so true that you just need um 
for all of our listeners. You just need inspiration from anything and everything. And um, that's quite a good closing note, I think. Don't you think, Toby? Oh, yeah, man. It's an hour it already, is. isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Oh, nice. It's an by. hour of the show. Uh, it, it always <laughs> flies by. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Uh, so just before we wrap up, if both of you could just let the listeners know where they can find you on socials, websites, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thanks so much for listening. Really, really appreciate you guys having us on. Uh, this was super, super fun. Um, yes. Uh, so you guys, uh, as we were saying before, um, all my old tracks would have been under Anastasia, but my artist name has now changed to Flow Anastasia. So you'll see most of my back catalog has actually moved to the new name. Um, so you can check out flowanastasia.com. It's got all my links to social media, uh, Flow Anastasia on Facebook, on Instagram, on Spotify, on Beatport, uh, anywhere that you listen to music, you will find Flow Anastasia. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, I'm also active on a few platforms as well. Um, I have some tutorials on Strange's channel, as some people in the chat have uh, pointed out. Uh, just type in my name on YouTube and then tutorial should be easy enough to find. But uh, as far as like where I post to regularly, where I don't have to put in a ton of hours every time i post uh, to there it would be um just on instagram pretty much on instagram facebook and uh uh that that you just search for tier hoot like um uh, t-y-r space k-o-h-o-u-t um and i post a variety of things most of which have to do with production stuff and i think her end of things is more of the what would you call it whimsical Whimsical. I was gonna say kooky. I like whimsical. <laughs> That's a good, a good one. one yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whimsical. Uh, mind you, word. yeah. <laughs> mind you, most of my music itself is related to like mental health and that kind of thing. But my um, other my my regular day to day personality can be very whimsical. <laughs> <laughs> whimsical. But uh, yeah, I I think she now she's much easier to find. I should be pretty easy to find. Any. Mm. Any sort of even just eyeballs and engagement is, is you know, like we were saying at the beginning, super appreciated because it's not like we're some celebrity duo here. Like, we really are just people that have normal jobs that mm-hmm. like making music and stuff. So uh, and I'm sure you guys can definitely yeah. resonate with that sentiment, too. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, if we, if we wanted to become, you know big famous people writing music we wouldn't be doing this so it's uh <laughs> we, we just we, we just like doing it for the sake of the art form and yeah. wanting to be able to help people wherever we really like realistically can through you know we might post tutorials or we might post just something helpful to help inspire your day or you know whatever it is right because like everyone i think has some sort of lesson or um like concept in life that is valuable to somebody somewhere. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, yeah, definitely, yeah. It, there's, uh, that those, like all those disparate experiences allow you to sort of live several lives in parallel at the same time where you can take in sort of those best moments from other people where mm. they've been able to curate them for you and you can gain a lot more wisdom than you normally can. And so we try to like pay that forward if possible where, you know, Hey, this, thing took me like a hundred hours to figure out let me show you right now you know and then that's kind of mm. where it's at because i don't know we're, we're we're selling music i guess but that's you know and shirts and stickers and stuff nothing too offensive it's just uh yeah we're um i don't know we're just trying to make cool cool art i guess like so yes. that's that's like what that. we do on our social media just post about things that we find interesting or helpful or both spread positive whimsical vibes yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> i like that a lot and uh yeah. just for our listeners as well so um 
we will obviously put both Anna and Tia's socials on our website uh, under the description for this episode. And uh, in case you missed it when I said it earlier, uh, Tia has an app. Well, by the time this goes out for the whole public, Tia now has his album out on Deviant Audio. It's called Accelerate. I've been listening to it for the past few days and there's some good vibes in there. So definitely yeah, check that be out. Sure to check out. Be sure to check out. Exactly. Thanks, uh, Anna's also Big recently up. done a tune with ALB called Voyage, which is also a proper vibe. Uh, so Absolute check that vibes. out as well. But also, guys, do you have any future content you can talk about? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to, uh, for your listeners, share. I haven't um, publicly announced this yet, but uh, I'm also working on my exclusive (laughs) Breaks podcast content. Um, yeah, I've also been working on my, my debut album, so I'll be joining you guys, all three of oh, you, with yeah. your debut experience of, of making a, a proper album. So, um, you know, it's it's been a big special journey for me because I've only been doing, like, features for other people's uh, productions mm. over the last uh, 10 years. So it's been a really interesting experience to, like, what, is, what does it even mean to, like, write my, have my own album under my name and have, like, more creative control and that sort of thing. Yeah. So that'll be coming out um, closer to the summer, also on Deviant Audio. I'm really excited about that. And I think by the time this comes out as well, I'll have had another release. Um, you guys can check out, see if you're digging. Um, it's with Freaks and Geeks. It's called Pressure, and it'll have come out on Elevate Records. So hope you guys dig that. It's my first uh, release on Elevate, and it's quite the dance floor vibe. So hopefully we'll see all of you guys at the rave one day soon in person, because mm. who yeah. remembers even what that that's even like so (laughs) very exciting stuff man thanks yeah absolutely i totally agree um and here any future content uh i think it just depends on how much i can say about the album and stuff uh i don't mean accelerate about like what you're Right. Doing? Yes. So Tyr is involved with my with my album as well. I think we'll probably just keep that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little quiet. But I think by, some secrets, by the time yeah. that this comes out, uh, yeah, for sure. I know that you've got um, you've been working towards this uh, album that's coming out for like the last three years. So this is kind of nice timing that it'll be out sort of around that time because uh, mm-hmm. it'll be out for the world to hear, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there'll be some uh, some great content related to that as well, and like track breakdowns and that sort of thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, track track breakdowns for sure. That's probably been the thing that people have responded best to, uh, as far as yeah. content is concerned. Because I think it, that's that's listenable for someone who doesn't even um, like produce music. Uh, they can still kind of get something out of that. I think where you just see someone who's in their element, like doing their thing. I've always appreciated watching very talented artists do their stuff. Like I don't understand half of what they're doing but like i like seeing the end result so um definitely some more track breakdowns and there's like a ton more tunes on that album that beyond what we've sort of done as as singles and um there'll be lots of great content in there for sure and some of it which i'm sure we haven't even come up with yet like as far as how we're gonna go forward with you know stuff in general let's Mm -hmm. say but um yeah, for for the next little bit anyway, um, and this is still relevant even when the the podcast gets posted like publicly. Um, we'll we'll be on that tilt for a little bit just because it's as she said, if like yeah, so much time got dumped into that album, we just want to make sure yeah. everybody that can possibly hear it can hear it, and then uh, past that point, yeah, it's sort of you know you can read in between the lines about my first question 
there. So um, there, there, there is much more music coming and like content related stuff coming in, in especially around summertime because there's going to be some like shift in lifestyle and plans and stuff that we won't necessarily have to get into. But um, yeah, uh, well, it, it's going to allow us to really focus like if we are, weren't already focusing like mega ultra focus on like uh, just doing more in the in the like music and like content creation domain in general so um it's not quite ready to show yet because we're just turning the gears right now but like uh, yeah there, there's gonna be some pretty amazing content that she's working on and uh i'm very excited for people to be able to see what she's been up to because it's super cool thanks nice that's we can kind of Ended on a vague but very hyped note. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, that is the end of the show. Um, Quickly, just don't forget to leave us a review on Podchaser. We appreciate any review you guys leave. And yeah, if you subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash thinkbreaks, you'll get access to two bonus shows. And uh, at the time of recording this, we're going to record our next bonus show in like half an hour's time. Woohoo! Yes! And yeah, that was quite a vibe. So we've been Think Breaks. They've been Flo Anastasia and Tia Koo out. Yes. And yeah, see you next time. Peace. 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 Take care, everybody. Thanks, guys. <laughs>